It is NCAA tournament week, a clearly one of the best weeks of the year, best two, three weeks of the year, really. Um, we got a lot to get to tonight. Um, we decided to rerun this with the same crew that uh, we did the preview show last year. Um, I'm sure we did an excellent job. I have no idea what we talked about, and but I'm sure our picks were great. Our thoughts were great. Um, coming back once again, once a year, I guess, Andy Dickerson. Uh, sir, how are you? Welcome back. Thanks for having me, and uh, I hope I'm better luck this year in terms of getting the Hoosiers at least out of the first weekend, but I'm grateful to be on with you guys. Uh, and also, uh, not to be confused with Nick Conway, Nate Conroy <laughs> is here. <laughs> Nate, welcome. I mean, we could do like a whole free agency show as well today, but um, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of news with the NFL. Your, your, your Rams traded Jalen Ramsey. Uh, my Bears have made like 18 moves, but uh, we'll save that for another time. Yeah, yeah, sounds like a plan. Let's uh, let, let's focus on the hoops tonight. So uh, Andy's already alluded to that this is clearly an IU podcast, so we're going to start there, um, I, guys. I, I think it's it's safe to say this has just been just a wild ride this season. A lot of ups and downs. Um, the ups have been great. Uh, obviously, sweeping Purdue. Um, we had that early road win at Xavier. Um, you know, some nice quad one wins. You'll hear that stat a lot throughout this podcast, quad one wins. Um, but then there's just been some really, really bad spots. We had that 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 spot early in the Big Ten season, um, you know, that weird uh, home loss to Iowa where we were never in it and we couldn't guard the three-pointer, couldn't guard a backdoor play to save our life. But here we are with the four seed out east, Um What's first of all, I guess, kind of looking back, what do you guys make of this season? Um, and then what do you think of our tournament outlook just from a, from a macro sense? Uh, Andy. Thank you. Um, I think the biggest thing that I'm going to think about this season is trace Jackson Davis. I just want to salute him because when you see a statistic like 23 points, 14 rebounds, three blocks a game for a calendar month, which had only been done by Shaquille O'Neal and Tim Duncan in division one basketball or in the NBA, that has to be recognized. I think no matter what IU does in the tournament, he has been incredible and he is going to be the lasting image of this team in a specific play style. The one thing that stands out from this team more than any other is trace as a passer. Mm. Uh, when I look at his previous years, I thought he was a capable passer, but it's been an incredible transformation for him to post up, or catch a pass, or dribble into the lane, and the way he's whipped cross-court passes, finding shooters, finding cutters. I just didn't know he had it in it, to be honest with you. Um, so I think he needs to be saluted because he's given us all every game. And the other the other piece of it, obviously Jalen Hachafino has been as advertised as a freshman, scoring 34 points at Purdue most notably. I think the biggest takeaway, other than less looking forward, is I honestly think, and I think IU fans would disagree with me, this team overachieved a little bit. Um, this team could have been a Final Four national title contender with Xavier Johnson. You know, he, he's the best on-ball perimeter defender by, by far, and they didn't have him pretty much the whole year. He's the only guy who consistently would finish in the lane with layups, which he did against Xavier on the road in November. Um, and he's another point guard. And if he's playing, that means if Bates is off, it's, if some of these other guys aren't playing well, Xavier Johnson would have played and I can't help but think what if so because of the fact that he unfortunately isn't going to be able to play my expectations are in fact lower um, and I've just been appreciative of what they've been able to do and uh, you know the Big Ten isn't a great league this year it's not the Big 12 but there's a lot of pretty good teams and it's the classic I think unfortunately uh, tackle basketball stereotype has been true with teams like Rutgers and to a lesser extent Purdue um, but overall, I think we should just be appreciative of Trace Jackson Davis to finally have this kind of success. And, um, you know, I, I think this team still has a chance to do something, but I'm going to be appreciative. I just I just hope because they they didn't finish Penn State off, you know, they missed an opportunity. I really wanted to hang a banner, even if it was a Big Ten tournament banner. Uh, you know, now it's just how far can they go and hopefully 
So I'm, I'm just appreciative, frankly, of, of Trace more than anything is, is my takeaway from this season. I, I, yeah, lots to unpack there. I, I think, um, you know, when we look back on Trace Jackson Davis, I mean, I, I think we're talking about one of the 10 best players that's ever put on an IU uniform. I really do. Um, I, I think you made a great point that he made amazing strides this year as a, a passer and, and just a playmaker. I mean, um, you've made it, I mean, you made that, that point of just throwing these cross court passes to a Miller cop for three or Trey Galloway once in a while for three, when he could actually take the shot and make it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you saw so many games where he had five, six, seven assists. We even saw him have a triple double, um, you know, games where he'd have three blocks, three steals. I think even the Maryland game Friday night, he had a stat line that I hadn't seen where, you know, he had, he had like what the 22 and nine, eight, and then three box, three sales, something like that. I mean, it's, it's, it, the stat lines were, were pretty crazy there in the month of February, um, especially early on. Um, Nate, when you look at the ceiling of this team, um, I mean, I, I guess we could, we'll, we'll start to get into the, to their matchup and then their, you know, what, what potentially is down the road. The ceiling, if this team plays to their to their peak, to their potential the rest of the way, I mean, what's where's the end point? Well, you know, best case scenario, and again, not to get too deep and too far ahead into things, uh, but I could see this team um, pushing pushing for the Elite Eight. You know, I could see him making second weekend. Um, you know, if it kind of goes chalky, he would face a, a Houston team in that in that sweet 16 and, you know, they've got a little bit of an injury bug going on right now. So you don't know who's a hundred percent, who's not. Um, so, you know, wishful thinking you, you could make to make to the elite eight. Uh, now they definitely got uh, some difficult steps to get there. There's no gimmies this time of year. Uh, hopefully the group is going to be focused uh, and motivated because we've definitely had some hiccups to say the least along the way this year in some games that we, uh, could have won and probably should have won. So hopefully, um, you know, they're uh, well rested and, uh, and locked in here uh, come Friday night. Uh, guys, you know, in the preseason or, you know, bef before we actually started playing games, you know, there was word coming out of Bloomington that this was, this was a team that basically had two starting fives. Um, I think that that obviously became became a myth as we we got deeper into the Big Ten season. Um, there was portions of the the, the schedule where Tamar Bates was just flat out unplayable. Um, and if he's not making shots, um, we've seen his defense uh, defensive ability come on the last couple of games, but for a while there, he he provided really little to no value on the court, the injury to Xavier, um, obviously the injured race there in the middle of the season. So Andy, that was a good point. I, I, I think people should appreciate that we've even gotten this far with this team as injury depleted as word trace was nursing a back injury for a, quite a while as well. Hood Shavino was banged up. So when you really unpack what they went through from an injury standpoint, um, pretty, pretty, pretty lucky to, to finish where we did to have the record we did. But I, I think, I thought this team would be able to go a little deeper. Um, there would be a little bit more of a contribution from uh, the role players. Um, and now largely I, I, I kind of know what I'm going to get from TJD and Hood Shafino. And I think now that for, for me, we'll go as far as the rest of this crew takes us as far as Miller cop race, Thompson, Trey Galloway takes us. Um, we, we need one or two of them to score 12 to 15 points. Um, and these first couple games to get us to the sweet 16, because, you know, guys, when I, when we haven't had that third score, I just, we've really struggled and, you know, you still can't always rely on Huchifino. He's had these, these huge pop moments, but he's had some down games where he's really struggled. The jumper's not, not working. And um, I, I hate, I, I just hate to put it that way, but I feel like our fate relies on race Thompson, Trey Galloway, Miller cop, Andy. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I think, Trace is going to be there. I mean, other than foul trouble, he's going to have a huge impact on any game that IU plays. And Jalen Huchifino, like you said, if his mid-range jumper is working, I'd like him to take more threes, actually. But if he's hitting enough of his shots, he's going to help. Um, I think the biggest thing is, is Miller Cop as a player. You can tell in interviews, like even Sunday night, they just want him to shoot. They don't want him to pump fake into a contested two. Um, just, just let it fly. You know, maybe he doesn't have the quickest release in the world, but he's, he's over 40% from three. 
And then Trey Galloway, who I absolutely love. He's a coach's son. He's probably the most instinctual player on the court. Always plays hard. He's kind of had a mystifying two Big Ten tournament games. But regardless, he's been really good. He has jumped from 21% from three his sophomore year to 45% from three as a, as a junior. So not that he might be as prolific firing him up as maybe a Miller Cup, but he needs to let it go as well just to have that spacing. And I think you're right. I think you've identified it. We're going to get Jalen Hutchinson and Trace, and, and they're, we're going to ride or die with them. But if Cop, if Galloway, and even the last three games, Bates, who was pretty terrible for a month, month and a half, has come around a little bit, started to make his three again, then they're going to have a chance. Um, the other thing I would like to see matchup-wise is I wish they would play small. I wish they would play Miller Cop at the four with Bates, Galloway, and Jalen Hutchinson and just have one big on the floor. Um, Indiana has made some big runs, like in the second half against Michigan when they were down, where they went small. And I don't think Race Thompson, who was never quick to begin with, isn't great at closing out on three-point shooters, clogs the lane, um, and is, has a bulky knee. Is he really providing that much more rebounding than Miller Cop at the four? I think it's negligible. I'd rather space the floor, rather be able to switch everything. I mean, even Trace can switch on to some of these guards. Um, and, and it open, opens up their offense. If you look at the quality shots they got against Michigan down the stretch, that's where they were playing four out, one in, which allegedly is what Woodson wants to do long term. Well, then play it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think I think they got to play small if, if 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 the main lineup isn't working. And the other thing I would do is Malik Renew really had a great game against Maryland. Uh, Eleven rebounds, I think it was eight points in only twenty one minutes. And frankly, he's quicker. He's faster. He has more lateral quickness than Race Thompson. He closes out on shooters quicker than Race Thompson. He has his deficiencies. Of course, he's a freshman. Sometimes he turns it over. He doesn't make a, a good enough move in the post. But I would have the quickest hook you could possibly have with Race Thompson if I'm Mike Woodson. And I, I would just, if he makes a couple turnovers or, or whatever, get Renew in there as quickly as possible or go small. Um, but I think you've identified it, not, not to ramble too much, which is we need other players to step up. And we need to shoot more threes. I mean, IU is 345th in the country in percentage of points made from the three-point line. Um, and our percentages are good. I mean, for much of yeah. the year, we were top 10 in the country percentage making threes. We just don't shoot enough of them. Yeah. So stop pump faking Miller Cop is the big headline. Take the three. And uh, other than Jalen Chafino, no one else should be shooting mid-range shots, in my opinion. So I, 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 I have, I've had this thought that Woodson – has not he's i guess he hasn't gone to renew like i thought he would when races struggled i thought i think there's been moments where he stuck with race too long and and in games where he's really just not had it and there's been a few um i i i was a little perplexed why renew didn't play more uh in that penn state game when he was really effective um in the first half um and, and uh, th- that's just that's just one of those things where I've I've had a little bit of issues with rotation that that Woodson will put out there. I love the thought of playing small. Um, and I don't get why they haven't done it more. Um, you mentioned the kryptonite of IU on both sides is the three pointer. Um, we 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 just don't take that many, and um, it feels like the teams that are are a nightmare matchup for us are the teams like Penn State that can that can and the Iowas that can make a bunch. Um, I. I what I feel Can good about is Nate a question. Sorry. Cause as a coach, I'm just really curious because you're seizing on something that I think he could probably answer better than I can. And it's about the three point line. Why is it that, that myself from my couch can go, you played Penn state in January, they hit 18 threes. This is what they do. And then even early in the game, the scouting report, watch them all shoot from three, except for Pickett posting up. Why would you not go, if I understand it correctly, go over every every screen. Never go under a screen. Always go over it. Basically, play sticky defense, even two feet behind the line. Force these guys to drive. I would play the same thing to Iowa. Why is it that that IU is incapable of consistently guarding the three point line in some of these games against Iowa and Penn State? It just it drives me crazy. Even though you know I've enjoyed the season for the most part. Is, is that question for me? Is that a That's a question for, for you as a coach. What are they doing wrong in terms of not guarding the three ball when a team is consistently getting open threes and hitting them? Well, again, I agree with everything you said. That's what I, you know, that's what we would teach. Um, you know, you got a three pointer. You can't go under. You can't give space. You got to follow. So to the two, two big things come to my head when, when 
um, when you're in a situation like that and you're not there present to know what's going on. One would be it, maybe it's just a, it's, it's a lack of focus. Two would be it's an effort thing. Uh, or three, they're just not talking it out, communicating. But again, you would think at this level of basketball, they've watched enough tape. You've already played them once uh, before. And especially, and, and that's just that's just basketball IQ. If somebody hits a three uh, last possession, you're going to get in their space. You're going to make them put it on the floor. You'll make them hit a pull-up two or make them drive in the lane and make one more pass or something like that. So I don't have a good answer for you. And you got Trace as a shot blocker or a million other guys this year. Geronimo, take your pick. All our guys can block shots. So, oh, oh well, he drove past me. He gets into the lane. Guess what? His shot's going to get blocked. Or maybe he'll miss. People miss contested twos all the time. They blow layups, especially in close game situations. I just, my biggest bugaboo as a basketball fan watching college versus pros is the number of threes that not just Indiana, but some of these other teams willingly give up. And I just go, three is worth more than two. What are you doing? Take it away. Yeah. 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 Just effort thing or, you know, poor closeouts or, you know, whatever it is, but yeah, it is frustrating. He'd rather let him have a tough two than an easy three. I've, I've noticed, well, Penn state plays smaller. I, I thought race was really poor on some of his closeouts against Penn state. I will say in the second half, um, Andy, to your point, it looked like they were switching everything. Even, you know, Jackson Davis was, you know, they were, they were putting him on guards. They were just switching everything. I, I like the versatility of your defense when they play a little smaller. Uh, like I said, Bates has brought effort on the defensive end. Um, and, I, and, and to be honest with you, I like renew out there because I think he's, I think he's a scorer i mean when he is in the post like i trust him that he's going to score he's got that nice hook right in the lane um i just i don't trust race thompson to do much at all at this point i i mean he came up huge in the michigan game i, I will say that but other than that it's been it's been really just it, it's been kind of hard to watch at times and i'm sure the knee injury has, has been a big issue but i I'd, i just i just want to see i want to see renew out there a little bit more by the way, I think he's going to be a really, really good player for IU um, if he can figure out this, you know, the foul issue. Um, I mean, he's going to be our post presence next year with, uh, you know, I think of him, him and Xavier one-two punch in some version of that with Galloway. I'm glad Xavier decided to um, not try to come back this year and hopefully get the, the medical waiver uh, to play next year and we actually have a point guard. Um, Nate, have you have you unpacked Kent State? Um, led by our friend Rob Senderhoff, who was part of the demise of the Indiana program with Calvin, Calvin Sampson. Um, have you looked into this team at all? I mean, from what I've what I've seen of them and 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 just sort of what the results were, they've played a lot of really good teams. Uh, it's tough, you know. They've they they ultimately lose or lost all those games, but they seem to be a, a legit team. Uh, Twenty seven wins. Um, Hard nose, tough defense, the whole thing. Yeah, from what I can gather, well, I would just say first of all, any team at the Division One level, regardless of schedule, 27, 28 wins, you got to have some going right. So yeah, they play in the MAC, um, so you know that lesser tier to some degree, kind of the mid major, but still 27, 28 wins. That's that's saying something. Uh, I've poked around a little bit, not a ton. Uh, but they do sound like a very hard-nosed, kind of a gritty, more of a defensive-oriented team. Uh, I don't necessarily know that they score the ball uh, a lot. Um, compared to Indiana, I think they're going to be a little bit undersized, so I think we need to exploit that to our advantage, You know, use our size, use our f- physicality. Um, obviously, Trace is going to get his touches, but you'll know, pound it in there with a Renew or you know, Thompson when he's in there. At least touch the ball, play a little inside out. Um, it's not going to be easy. That's for sure. Um, you know, and there is that connection that, that you mentioned there. So, uh, it, it'll be a battle there. There's no question. Andy, what do you think? I think this is a good matchup for IU. Um, this is not a Penn state. This is not an Iowa. When I looked at the advanced numbers, they were in about the mid one hundreds on three point makes and attempts. They don't shoot a lot of threes. Um, their offense, adjusted offensive efficiency, is, is in the hundreds. It's not even in the top 100. The one thing they do at an elite level is their top 20 in turnover percentage. They force a lot of turnovers. Um, so IU's going to have to be strong with the ball. Uh, maybe that means Galloway in addition, J- Jalen Huchifino bringing the ball up. But I think as long as IU is strong with the ball and doesn't make any unforced errors, they should be okay. And if you look at the heights of their starting lineup, um, they're not a very tall team to Nate's point. So 
you know, have they seen a Trace Jackson Davis? They played Gonzaga, so they played Timmy, and they played him pretty close. But I think it's a good matchup basically because they don't shoot lots of threes. Indiana has an advantage in the post. Indiana's coming off a loss, so like you said, as mercurial as like an Iowa game or whatever, it's it's do or die. There's no chance they're going to overlook the opponent even in the first round. Um, and I think they're lucky that it wasn't Toledo. If you look at the numbers, Toledo was, in, I think, top 10 or top five in the country in, in three-pointers. So when Kent State won that game on Saturday, I was actually quietly relieved just in case IU would draw a MAC team because I thought, well, at least it's not Toledo. So I, I think it's it's a very beatable opponent. Um, and, you know, it sets up well. I don't know if you want to jump into round two, but it sets up well, given Miami the tougher game against Drake, who apparently is pretty good. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, you guys mentioned it, you know, for the most part, uh, Mac defensive player of the year, Malik Jacobs, um, but not, not necessarily a big guy, sincere Curry. I just like saying that name. Um, I know we've had some difficulties with, with point guards that can get into the lane. I think of, um, Boo Booey, um, just taking us, taking us task every time down the floor, that second Northwestern game. So I have, I have some, some concerns there and that's where we really miss Xavier. Like you mentioned earlier on, Andy is just the, the, you know, defense on guards that can really slash and, and, and get, get in the lane. We've really struggled against. So I have some concerns there, but I agree with you. I think for the most part, this on paper sounds like a game we should win. Um, you know, I, I, I have, you know, some trepidation that this is a team that is battle tested and they don't really have any bad losses and their, their, their losses are against top tier teams and they've played them all tough. Um, if you, if you look forward to a little bit ahead, if it's Miami or Drake, Miami is a team that has a lot of offensive ability, but they're also down a big man and they are very, very, very poor defensively, which, you know, maybe actually bodes well for, for some of our guys getting open. I don't know a lot about Drake, but I, I know they're, they're one of the, you know, mid majors that have, have, have kind of popped this year along with Charleston and, um, you know, Florida Atlantic, you know, those kind of guys. So I hate to look ahead too much, but, um, uh, you know, you, it, it's natural to look, kind of look down the road, what you got in your bracket, if it's a Miami or Drake to get to that to potential Houston matchup. Um, any other thoughts on IU before we, we branch out to, to some of the other big 10 teams, either one of you? Yeah, I'll just jump in briefly and just say to circle back to what Nate said in the beginning, I thought he identified elite eight as a reasonable sort of ceiling for the team. So if you just kind of jump ahead, um, Miami 111th in adjusted defense, eighth in adjusted offense. But like you said, the front court player may be banged up. Um, and then Drake is a fundamentally sound team. They're older, but they're not going to overwhelm IU with athleticism. But if you get there, you get Houston, who is great as they are playing an easy, easier league. Maybe Sasser's still banged up. IU gets to go in with house money as an underdog. If they get that far, they can play free and loose if they get that far. And then I think Texas is frankly is fantastic. If you saw them this weekend, I think they're really talented. Um, but you never know. All it takes is one game. Maybe they get knocked out before the the final eight. But uh, I think I think IU. I think a great outcome would be the Elite Eight, and I think they would. I would argue they would meet expectations if they made the Sweet Sixteen. I'd be decently satisfied with that. Um, and then in the recipe in the first game, just to circle back, we know the recipe. If they get off to a slow start, which they have in some of these first halves, if Kent State hits some outside shots, even if they're not great at them, they get that confidence. We see it every year in the tournament. You let the underdog get up early. The crowd starts cheering. The other fans' teams who aren't playing start cheering. IU has to be sharp early. I mean, to me, they'll, they'll control the game if they get off to a good start. They should be okay. But that's my biggest fear for Friday night is – can we at least have a good start and not open the door to just that confidence, that contagious thing that happens with underdogs in March? Um, but yeah, I'd say Elite Eight would be my realistic up, upside scenario for IU. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was incredibly predictable that they'd be p- placed in the Houston bracket. I, I had a feeling all along that was it was going to go that way. Uh, we know that the committee loves these kind of storylines. And then the Senderhoff piece was just an added layer to it. Um, who has he's built a really really good program at Kent State. I didn't realize he'd been there over ten years. Um, you and, know. and Tom Ostrom's a, a former IU assistant for Archie Miller. He's an assistant at Drake. So oh, is he? okay. And then and you, might, you guys remember Steve McLean shooter with uh, Crean? 
he's a he's a special consultant coach for for why i was gonna say chris beard but um perry i think his name is the texas interim coach <laughs> so we, we we could have quite the uh former coaches revenge tour here going on yeah. if they yeah. actually get hot yeah so. although chris beard got he got a job today uh, with yes, old he, Miss, did. So. he did he's back yeah. He's back. Didn't take long. Didn't take the long. Good old SEC. You know, always willing to look the other way. So <laughs> that's right. Um, the Big Ten. Um, if if I had to say over or under one and a half for the amount of teams that that'll make it to the Sweet Sixteen from the Big Ten, would you go over or under one and a half, Nate? One and a half. Um, well, I think Purdue would be a lock. So there's the one. Are they though? Yeah. Okay. Mm. And again, this, I, I don't want to. I'd want to dive into it because it's not a Purdue thing. But the the the, the freshman backcourt makes me a little nervous. You know, mm-hmm. first time in the NCAA. Fletcher Lawyer hasn't looked good as of late. Mm-hmm. David Jenkins. You could swap him in there, but that's a whole other thing. But I would still think, based on their draw, now they have a tough second chance, a second round. Yeah. Uh, with I, I just want to interrupt you real quick. That Go ahead. Game, if I were a Purdue fan, I'd be I'd be terrified of either one of those teams. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, we know they've been susceptible here, especially last year. Um, you know, the expectations were high to some hiccups, but either, either way, uh, to answer your original question, I would say Purdue, yeah. um, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, take the glass half full and say Indiana really outside of that. I don't see much. Um, you know, it's hard to pick against Tom Izzo come March madness time. You know, they if they beat USC, they would play Marquette, who's who's very hot right now. So that's going to be a tough matchup in round two. He they would be maybe the only other one that I could see. Um, so I'm I'm going to take the over. Yeah, I guess and I guess maybe the better question was outside of Purdue or IU advancing to the Sweet Sixteen. Is is there another big team that Big Ten team that's actually gonna gonna make it through? Because it they're all in that seven to ten range where they're going to have to pull an upset in round two. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's frankly, I would just go based on the the Vegas odds or, you know, you try to hit a parlay and there's always one leg that screws you over, but I'm going to flip it and say the big 10 has opportunities in a second round game where I could foresee one of them knocking off or one or a two seed. So for example, Maryland, Right, they would get Alabama in the second game if they survive Bob Huggins. Yeah. We've seen Maryland play up. They can muck a game up. They have highly athletic, quick guards. Um, I think they would frustrate Alabama as athletic and as talented as they are. And you never know. Maybe they muck the game up and they hit enough outside shots and, and, and they find a way. Um, Iowa, a different side of the coin than Maryland, but could they outshoot Houston in a second round game? Just shoot the lights out and maybe Houston kind of a rock fight. They can't hit outside shots. And even though they're the the more balanced team, Iowa just outscores them, even though Iowa has a bad defense, maybe. Um, Illinois, I don't trust. I think they're too streaky to win one game, let alone two. Northwestern is a team I like for their first game, and they can make it a rock fight. And UCLA shoots more twos than just about anyone. So I don't think UCLA, as great as they are, is going to run away from a Northwestern. It'll be an ugly game. Um, and then Penn State, we just saw what they did in the Big Ten tournament. Um, I think Texas is great, so I don't think they'll beat Texas. But Penn State can shoot threes, top ten in the country. So I guess it's more, it's more to, to Nate's point, I think, I think Indiana and Purdue are reasonable expectations. But I wouldn't be surprised if one of these other Big Ten teams, it just clicks for the weekend and one of them ends up in the Sweet 16. But to your point, I don't see any any of the Big Ten teams outside of Indiana or Purdue making it to the Elite Eight. That would be a surprise to me, um, just because again, I don't think the conference is as good as a conference like the Big Twelve this year. But Michigan State to me has has the path, um, but they've they they're just what they're nineteen and twelve. I mean, that's a lot of losses. I I, I mean, I could envision them getting by USC and then, and then Marquette. Who, by the way, I, I really like Marquette as a as a potential Final Four team. So it's it's weird saying that. Shaka Smart's obviously known for um, his teams historically being uh, defensive minded and uh, with their press and uh, really causing a lot of havoc. But Pretty good offensive team this year, but I, I think Michigan State would be the one for me. Even though I, I think I could see Penn State 
winning the game. I, I actually, as weird as Illinois has been, you know, they had some great wins early on. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think they're going to beat Kansas, but I could see them, could see them providing some, some difficulty for Kansas. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by that Arkansas Illinois game. That's going to be a good game. The AM Penn state game should be one of the better first round games going. Um, let's get back to Purdue real quick. Um, since we're, we're throwing Nate and coach's corner, um, Nate to, to, to beat Purdue. Um, and I think IU did a relatively good job of this twice against Zach Eady. Um, I mean, tell me as far as double teaming him, what are, what are the keys when you say, yeah, we're going to double team Eady. Um, we're going to make the other guys beat, you know, beat us. What does that actually mean from a, from a game plan perspective? I mean, is this is it is it double teaming him on the catch or once he dribbles or uh, you know what is the, what do you think that looks like? What's what's the best way to defend Edie in your mind? Well, th- there's a lot to that question. Okay, so first of all, you have to identify who you want to send a double team, or another way to look at that is who are you not really scared of if they get a pass from Zach Eady, if that makes sense. So um, identifying that, number one. Uh, number two, like you said, are you going to double him right away as soon as he catches it? Uh, are you going to wait till he puts it on the floor? Does he seem to have a preference going to his right, going to his left? Um, you know, Are we going to dig down uh, as a perimeter player to the post? Or are we going to send a big from the other block? There's so many things that you have to um, consider. So my, my point of view, which is easier said than done is you have to mix it up. So, you know, maybe the first, first half of the first half, or you get to the first media timeout, you do it this way. If you have success with that, then maybe you let it roll a little longer. If that's not working, then you go to plan B. I think you have to have a couple plans of attack ready, uh, to prevent him from getting as comfortable as he can. Um, you're not going to stop him all the time. Uh, I think you just have to limit him as best you can. So yeah. it's not going to be easy, but just 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 vary it as, as best you can. I I thought uh, the the first IU game when 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 we hosted them, I thought in the first half that was the best I had seen any team double eighty. I, I was immediate. It caused him, I think, three or four turnovers in that half alone. Um, I thought I thought their tenacity eased up in the second half where they, he got some space. He almost always goes to his left, his left shoulder. Um, uh, you know, so I, I just sometimes I'm watching these games and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this this double team or it's too slow or it's not immediate or it just doesn't make sense. So I'm glad you brought that up and, and how you're doubling them. Um I, I, in my mind, it's just like, who, who else are you really scared of on this Purdue roster? I mean, we talk about Smith and lawyer as freshman guards. Um, there's just, there's just not another guy where you're like, okay, that's, that guy's going to score 20, 25. We got to be concerned about him. I, I just wonder if that's going to limit Purdue as they go deeper into this tournament, even as early as round two. Andy, your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, besides what Nate says, which I agree with, mix it up on ED, is you want to heat up the freshman guards. I mean, Braid Smith's only six feet tall. You know, he was a three-star recruit right here out of Westfield, where I'm currently living. Um, and he's had an overachieving, very nice freshman year, but he has his limitations. And I think IU showed in that first matchup that if you really get into him with an athletic guard with quickness and length, you can bother him. And same thing for Lawyer in, in a different way. He's more of a, just a straight shooter. But um, – I think you got to pressure pressure their two guards. That's that's what it starts with, and uh, at some point, whether it's Memphis in round two or or uh, former student manager of Bobby Knight, Dusty May in Florida uh, Atlantic, somebody at some point you know is going to execute a game plan similar with with enough talent to what mm-hmm. IU did and what Maryland did, or even Rutgers, uh, as much as they make games a rock fight that, that's going to bother Purdue. Um, but I agree. I think you got to mix it up. I just, if it's me and my, and my season is on the line and I'm playing Purdue, I will say this. I, I revert to what I said earlier, which is I would rather not double. I, I wouldn't want the other guys to get involved and get hot from three. I mean, Penn state in their two regular season games largely doubled most of the time and Purdue ate them up from three. Um, having said that, if you're going to double, I like doubling him. I mean, you guys make a good point about doubling him immediately. I still kind of prefer doubling him when he brings the ball down and dribbles because 
less chance he sees you. If you double him on the catch, which he's seen all year, he can immediately whip that pass out to, uh, you know, lawyer or whoever. So I, I just think Purdue's had a great year. I also think they've overachieved. Um, but at some point they're going to run into a team that's going to, you know, make it difficult for their guards. So it'll be interesting to see how far they go. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I badly want the Big Ten to break this national title drought. Um, going back to to Michigan State's uh, was it was it two thousand right? Two thousand, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just guys, I I I couldn't, I I can't see that uh, end with Purdue. I just I I I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to wake up the next day, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way. <laughs> So yeah, I mean that's a whole deep dive, but I mean yeah, you look is. at some of the teams we've had since 2000. We had Michigan State and Ohio State. Uh, I think in '99 we had Michigan State in 2001. We had IU in 2002. Illinois, a phenomenal team. Yep. Darren Williams, D. Brown, Luther had in 2005. Mm-hmm. Probably had the best chance. They ran into a slightly more talented Carolina team. Yeah. Um, you know, you had that great Ohio State team with Odin Connolly. They run into a back-to-back champ. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's been some bad luck with some really outstanding big 10 teams who they played in the final. Um, how many times were they actually the favorite in any of the games they lost in the final four? Very rarely, to be honest. So I think they've run into just, they happen to run into the best team in the tournament, but still you would think at some point, one of these teams since Michigan state in 2000 would have, would have done the deed and it hasn't happened. And it's, it drives me crazy. Uh, I hate it. It makes me mad. It's embarrassing as a big 10 fan. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I hope it happens at some point, but I'm with you. It would be it would be a tough one in a way to have Purdue be the team to to break the streak. And I go, this Purdue team, last year they had Jaden Ivey is in the NBA. Rob the Robbie Hummel team is easily the best team they've had since Glenn Robinson. If he doesn't tear his knee, they right. won 10 in a row in 2010. It would have mm-hmm. been a number one seed. I think that team might have won it all. That was the year Gordon Hayward and uh Shelvin Mack lost to Duke. Um and I go, if this team won it. I'm a big believer, regardless of rivals, that I kind of like to see teams win it who I go, yeah, that makes sense, that they were awesome. And it just – it would annoy me to look back in the history books and go, the Purdue team with Zach Eady and those <laughs> freshman guards is the one that cut the nest down, not the Robbie Hummel team. you know, Not even the team uh, with, what, Carson Edwards? They were really fun. Um, oh, my gosh, yeah. It, it, just, it just would annoy me, so – even ignoring my my IU fandom, so <laughs> I, I have, you know, I have some Purdue fans in my life that they talk about that that Virginia loss with the Carson Edwards team, and they think about that once a week um, with the Diakite. Oh God, crazy. buzzer buzzer beating you know to uh, bucket to put that game to overtime at the in the Elite Eight where they they lost. I mean that would that was I, I mean if I was the, if that was IU I would I would have. I would have just slept the next week. That was that would have been devastating. Um, I'm so mad about the Syracuse game from 2013. Oh god, haven't forgiven Tom Crane and Tim Buckley for that game plan. Such God, we were, that was such a good team. Such a good team. Um, Nate, let's let's look out. Let's let's look at the tournament at large here. Um, I guess we'll get to your final four, but before that, is there is there any team you like as a sleeper, like maybe a double digit seed to make a Sweet Sixteen run, or a four or five seed to that you think can make a run into the final four? What's 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 your thoughts on on some teams you like? Um, just kind of at uh, first glance, no one really popped um, out of the bracket as I was kind of going through it. My my kids and you know, my kids have been all over it. They've already got like two, three drafts. They're, they're going nuts with this right now. I said, you got to gotta pick one. You got to stick with one. So we're still kind of in uh, rough draft uh, mode uh, at our house. Uh, kind of a first round game that I kind of find interesting. And it's a five twelve. 12 St. Mary's is the five and VCU is a 12. Um, one of those traditional five twelve games. St. Mary's is tough. West Coast, maybe not playing quite to schedule. VCU out of the A ten again, maybe not playing quite to schedule, but they you know were in the uh, A ten championship game as was St. Mary's. So that's an intriguing matchup there. So I could see VCU maybe winning that, uh, and then uh, right underneath that is the UConn Iona game, mm-hmm. um, which is another four thirteen. Uh, so you have the potential there of a couple double digits, not only winning, but then potentially playing um, one another. Uh, Another 12 C that I liked and uh, they kind of, they're they're playing Duke is Oral Roberts. Uh, They've got a really, 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 really uh, tall center. 
And I think, help me out, you guys would know, maybe Andy, the Max A. Smith, I think, is still on that roster. Uh, he, he is still on the roster. They actually couldn't schedule non-conference power teams because power five teams this year didn't want to take the risk of playing playing against that guard. He is still on the team. He's a senior. So And, and I think it was two years ago, maybe, when they were a 15 seed and they took down uh, Ohio State in the first round. I think it was two or three years ago. That yep. may have been that may have been a pick of mine, maybe just to refresh everyone's memory. Um, so that's that's another uh, double digit uh, squad there that I could see maybe in the first round uh, doing a little bit a uh, little bit of damage. So those would be the the three just kind of at first glance that pop out to me. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, uh, just a couple of first round upsets to look for. I love the VCU pick. A uh, ten's better than than the WCC this year. And I got to see a good chunk of Dayton because our good friend and fraternity brother Dan Green is a big Dayton fan. So I watched a lot of that Dayton VCU game. VCU, you know, again, they, they can trap, they can press, they can get up and down the court. They made threes Sunday. I don't know if they always make threes, but they did. Their lead guard looked really good to me. I like them. I think they have more versatility than St. Mary's. Um, I think that's a good call. The other one is Furman. And it's just because of historical style. I think Tony Bunnett's, you know, a great coach. Uh, given the talent limitations there, and he got his national title. Kudos to him. Um, but they play so slow, right? And they play that pack line defense. And Furman apparently is a fundamentally sound team who's comfortably, you know, playing slow. That's just going to be one of those games you look at the score, uh, I think, on Thursday, and you go, it's 43-39 Virginia, and there's, <laughs> you know, three and a half minutes left, and all it takes is Furman to hit a couple of threes late, and all of a sudden they, they knock him out, right? So I just think because of style, Virginia is one to watch for. Um, beyond that, I would say a sleeper. I don't know if they quite qualify because I'm with Nate. I don't really like any double-digit seeds to get to an Elite Eight or Final Four. I do like Creighton as a six, preseason top ten team, can shoot the hell out of the three ball, actually has played surprisingly good defense this year. And the games they lost in uh, December and whatnot, was one of their best players was injured for a while. So – the only constellation there that makes me hesitate is they're in a bracket with Arizona and Alabama, who are two of the most talented, athletic, long teams. So could they beat one of those teams? Yeah. Do I see them being both? Probably not. So I like that team. I think they got kind of a tough draw. Um, but I think you're going to see, frankly, a lot of chalk. I like the two line better than the one line. But I read a stat the other day that said that the difference in the last 20 years between the teams ranked 41 to 50 and one to 10 or one to 20 is as small as it's ever been in the last 20 years, essentially meaning there isn't a whole lot of difference between teams one to 50. And I think we all would probably agree. There aren't any truly great slam dunk teams this year, like that um, Gonzaga Baylor matchup a couple years ago. Those are two great teams or Kentucky when they were unbeaten uh, with Carl Anthony Towns before Frank Kaminsky and Decker knocked them out. There's no super team this year. Yeah. So we're all going to sit here and fill out our brackets, but I th honestly think there's very little that would surprise me, you know, uh, given how close a lot of these teams are. So it's, it's, it's what makes it fun, right? This is why we watch. It's, it's, it's the greatest reality show in sports every year because you truly deep down never know what's going to happen. Who saw George Mason coming? Who saw VCU coming? Who saw Butler two years in a row coming? Um, it's what makes it fun. So it'll be fun to watch. Hopefully, for our sake, our Hoosiers will 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 be in for a long time. But we'll see. Yeah. I um, kind of going just real quickly, region by region. Alabama, I I I think they have just a really nice draw to the Elite Eight. Um, um, you know, I want to I want to not like not like them, root against them, um, but I, I, they've been playing too well. Brandon Miller is. He is really good at basketball. Um, say what you want, say what you want about the program, but um, I think they're going to be really tough um, to pick against out of that region. I, I do want to see Alabama, Arizona, um, just from a basketball fan standpoint to go to the final four. I think Bama advances there. I am taking Marquette um, in the East. I, I, I just don't, I it's maybe it's a pick against Purdue, but I, I kind of like the shock of smart momentum. I like this team. They seem to really play well together. Um, their offensive ability this year um, has been surprising. Um, and I just think Purdue stumbles along the way somewhere. I'm not sure where um, I'm actually taking Gonzaga out of the West, um, uh, which I've, I've been a bit of a, um, 
an, uh, an opposer against Gonzaga's method and, and, and their schedule, but they struggled early, but they've, they had some, um, they, they really picked it up here uh, in the conference. Um, you know, they, they dusted St. Mary's in the final. Um, they're uh, now statistically one of the better offensive teams in the country. I just think they're more battle tested than they've been in the past. They still have Drew Timmy, who's annoying as hell, but still a good player. I think they'll take UCLA out in the Sweet 16, and um, I like them to advance. And um, uh, in the Midwest, I'm probably taking Texas, but I'm not sure yet on that. Um, I'm still have some questions about interim coach, you know, taking to the Final Four. But all the signs that pointed to this is a really good team, like you mentioned earlier, Andy, and they 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 really just took it to Kansas in the Big 12 Finals. So that's my Final Four, um, and I'm probably taking um, I'm probably taking Bama to win it. And, I, I only because I don't really have a, a, anyone else I like more at this point. Um, obviously, a lot of questions surrounding the program, uh, uh, and um, but I, I just think from a basketball standpoint, they 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 have everything it takes. Um, they have a star player, um, and usually you see you see a guy every year. I, I go back to Kemba Walker with that UConn team and. 2011, uh, Shabazz Napier, um, these guys, these guys, you get one star player and you kind of ride them. And, uh, and Brandon Miller might be that guy, um, which would be crazy with everything that's going on. Um, so any other, uh, any other thoughts guys on the tournament, you guys got a champion. I'll, I'll let Nate go first on his final four. And now he hasn't even filled out a bracket yet. Oh, okay. I, I, rough, rough idea. I've sketched it out, you know, um, a, a, a lot of agreement with you. I'm looking at my little rough draft here. Uh, I'll start in the South like you did. Uh, really want to see that Alabama-Arizona matchup uh, in the Elite Eight. I, I hope that's destined uh, to happen. Um, yeah, all the off-court stuff with Alabama is wishy-washy. Um, but I would probably lean their way in uh, in that situation. Um, I like Marquette over Purdue in the East. Again, as much as I... I'd like to see a Big Ten school, preferably not Purdue, uh, but Marquette's hot. They're playing well. Um, go out to the West. I cannot agree with your Gonzaga take more in, in terms of the dislike of Drew Timmy. He just drives me nuts, absolutely nuts. Um, yeah. So um, I, I, I had Kansas, Gonzaga, and the Elite Eight, and I would lean Kansas in there more just because I don't like Gonzaga. Um and then Midwest, Texas is hot. They're playing well. Your point with the interim coach uh, is good. In a perfect world, Texas um, would be facing Indiana in that Elite Eight matchup. So that would be the end of the line for the Hoosiers. Um, love to see a Texas-Kansas rematch in the Final Four on that side of the bracket. Uh, Alabama-Marquette, would I think, would be a great game. But it's hard to pick against Alabama uh, right now. You know, Maybe all this off-the-court stuff is just really – causing them to laser focus uh, and lock in, uh, maybe galvanize the group, who knows. Um, but uh, I'm excited. It's going to be one heck of a tournament. It always is. Uh, for me, I, I, one I want to call out is in the um, region that has Kansas, which is the – which region is that? I should know this by this That's point. That's the West. The West, yeah. The West region. Actually, the team I like there is UConn. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason is Kansas – is 65th in adjusted offense since mid-January by the efficiency metrics. They were kind of banged up this last weekend when Texas took them out. Um, I mean, they're really good. That you know, they I think they have more quad wins than anyone. They're, it's not that they're not great. I just go, what are the odds? They won the national title last year. They lost a lot. Sure, they're really good. Jalen Wilson's really good. So I'm picking against Kansas just because I don't see him repeating. And so I got to pick somebody else out of that region. I'm I'm lukewarm on UCLA because of the injury to their guard. And because they rely so heavily on the two-point shot, um, and then Gonzaga, I just don't like them as as much as the team two years ago, or even the team last year. I don't think they're as talented defensively. They're they're, they're near ranked around a hundred. Uh, their offense is number one in the country, but I don't think they guard well enough. So I'm taking UConn because then the metrics they're in the top, I think thirty or twenty-five in both offense and defense. Uh, in the in the Midwest, I use region. I'm also taking Texas. I think they're the most complete team. I think the Sasser injury and um, just Houston not having the being battle tested enough in their conference, I would lean Texas. Um, I'm with you, Phil, on Bama. I think 
frankly, it's going to be one of three teams. It's going to be Bama, Arizona, or Creighton. I would be shocked if it's not one of those three teams. I'll take Bama purely because it would mean Creighton would have to play Arizona, so Bama only has to beat one of them. Um, and I actually so – you guys mentioned Marquette. That was going to be my, my team to focus on. Um, they've been awesome in the last month, and they're, they're Shocker Smart said this is the best backcourt he's ever had. So going back to VCU, Texas, and now Marquette with, uh, I think it's Cam Jones, and then what's his name? Kolek. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really good player, Big East player of the year. So usually you think, Shocker Smart, you think Havoc defense traps, get 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 into the ball handlers, turn them over, transition offense. But this team is, I think, number eight in the country or top ten in the country in adjusted offense efficiency. They can score. We know guards win. They played a tough schedule, relatively speaking. And they know how to win close games. I know it's a cliche, and maybe it'll go the other way like the Minnesota Vikings in the playoffs. But I think they're kind of due. Um, and so I'm leaning, I'm leaning toward them. I think Duke is the team that they'll have to beat in the elite eight. Duke's been really scary the last three weeks. They're finally healthy. Whitehead's a stud. Uh, Filipowski's a stud. They're shooting better from the outside and they're really good defensively, but I think Marquette's experience ekes that out. Um, and then, so if I had to pick a final four, it would be Texas beating UConn. And I think based upon karma, um, We'll hear Brandon Miller and and, and the, the the murder case and the gun and all all the the unsavory facts that are there. I'm not necessarily finding blame per se, but it certainly doesn't look good. And I think they'll they'll come out karmically. Marquette will just be better, and they'll find a way to win a close game. And then mm-hmm. I'll take Texas over Marquette. It'll be Shaka versus his former Ooh. former school, and, like and Texas will win just because I think they're a little better team. But I like we it. Just, yeah. The, the the Shaka Bowl and the championship. The Shaka Bowl. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Karma wins against Alabama. Karma wins. <laughs> yeah, Brandon Miller goes like four for 15 or something. Right. Gets in foul yeah. trouble. Yes. You know, something just, I don't know. Too much spotlight the week leading up to the Final Four, and they come out and they kind of lay an egg a little bit. So. Okay. All right, boys. It was fun to preview this. Uh, talk about IU. Um, who knows? Maybe if we make a sweet 16 run, we might uh, we might need to do something uh, next week. So uh, cross your fingers. Um, Andy, Nate, thanks, boys. Thanks, thanks for having me. Good to see you guys both. Have a good week. And uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully IU's still alive next time we talk. So. That's right. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to your best bets. Um, enjoy the tournament this week. And uh, we'll be back next week with uh, – some podcast on something. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.